0: Hi, hello and welcome, this is Mark. Welcome to episode 6 of the Mark RNC Accent. Thanks for listening. Remember to subscribe for more. There is that QR code to download on my website at www.markrnc.com. Grab it and share it, share it, share it. Just to start off this week, I'd like to thank a few people who have been avidly listening, especially some great feedback that I've had from Donna, one of my colleagues who recently devoured all five episodes in one go. So thanks for that, but I appreciate the feedback as well. And from Rick and many, 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 many others. This week's title, uh, what's the difference between being a rock and a bridge? How cryptic is it? Pretty cryptic, but then I love a bit of cryptic stuff. As i love to do most of the time, I'm going to start this week's podcast with a story. It's a story of a young boy in his early years, maybe 11 or 12 years of age, and his life hadn't been really that great up to that stage. As a bit of background, the boy had been born in Belfast at the end of 1960s. It was a massive change for worldwide. It saw the first moon landing. It saw the birth of a real civil rights movement that had encompassed the world. And in Northern Ireland that had a massive effect and it eventually saw the start of what became known as the Troubles. In his early years the boy remembered vaguely as the British Army used their home's small back yard to return gunfire towards the Falls Road towards West Belfast on the Provisional IRA. He remembers moving home deeper into South Belfast to get away from that area. Moved Two, maybe three times. He remembers moving out of Belfast for a fresh start several years later into Lisbon, which was eighteen miles away. These were newly built houses. He remembers that they smelt funny. He remembers the night the police and the army kicked the doors in of their home and arrested his father for membership of a loyalist paramilitary group and being an alleged bomb maker. He remembers visiting his father in prison for four or five years. Back to him being 11 or 12, his dad had been released from prison recently and times were pretty hard. Though his parents seemed to manage to be able to drink, they argued and they smoked an awful lot. So he spent most of his time going to the local library and he went several times a week because he was able to loan six books per time as per the rules. The rules didn't apply one week per time, so he realised quite quickly that if he loaned six books and he got through them in three days, which he did very very easily, that he'd go back and get more. So the librarians got to know him pretty well, that he liked. Books became his escape. He hid in his room. He was safe within his room. He touched no one and felt as no as if no one could touch him. As he got older, this shield of protection camouflaged itself, but it was always there. He was quick to make assessments of situations and people, always trusting the safety of being in an Iraq and the safety of being in Ireland. You may guess from those words where this is going. He was given a radio as a present one Christmas. Strangely, it looked a bit like what was. It was a Formula One racing car. It was black and sleek but it had cheap stickers on it. He was given a set of headphones, were sort of rip-off ones that he picked up from the corner shop that had orange foam, like the real Sony Walkman ones. And at that time, music was discovered. There was Prince and the Revolution, The Smiths, there was so much more, because this was the 80s and music was phenomenal. Then one night, he discovered a Simon and Garfunkel track I am a rock. Because of copyright, I can't play it. I'm going to just read. I have my books and my poetry to protect me. I am shielded in my armour. hiding in my room, safe within my room. I touch no one and no one touches me. I am a rock. I am an island. And the rock feels no pain. And an island never cries. It was like a bolt from the blue for the boy. A realisation of the world around him and a desire to change and be change. At that time, his friends were getting sucked deep into paramilitary groups. The new housing estate they'd moved into was now looking very tired. There was no public amenities nearby. Only a pub, a couple of sell-everything type shops. That meant that large groups of teenagers, his friends and him, with nothing to do because the neighbourhood did constantly complain about them. The police didn't particularly like coming into the area. They'd been attacked several times by the group and other people, and only two entrances to the place made it quite dangerous to come in. If one entrance was blocked, there'd only one way out. But come in they did, called them community police officers, and the boys stayed well, well away from them and their attempts to build any relationships with the group because distrust was strong. His fathers told him, don't go near these guys, they're just trying to get information. So he did what he was told. The group itself was becoming militant, attacking homes of those who weren't Protestant, forcing them out of the area. When they couldn't get near the homes, they targeted their cars, setting them alight with petrol. They used catapults to put ball bearings through their windows. And the years were ageing towards the mid-1980s. It wasn't a very nice time for the boy. It would have been so easy to get assimilated into this social void. There was nothing else to do. Fears and bigotry were passed down from parents. His own parents. Parents' friends. And the friends' hatred of Catholics seemed to be unavoidable. It seemed to be the right thing to do. But he wanted nothing from his parents or from his friends, especially these things. His reading had made him different from those around him in many ways. He had read so many books. He was a history sponge. And one of the important things that he learned from that was the mistakes of the past. And he could see that the mistakes of the past were being made again in the present. So when he was 18, he left. He was still a rock, and even more of an island. Important life lessons have been learned, <clears throat> more were to come, and his deepest re- revelation would take many, many, many more years. The concluding part of this story will come in part two. Sorry, guys. This is Mark signing off saying, remember to hit subscribe if you haven't already. If you like what I'm doing, let me know through markrnc.com. If you don't like what I'm doing, still let me know through markrnc.com and spread the podcast word. Thanks for listening. Until the next time, stay safe.